1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is going to be a heck of a mishmash. Um, usually when I do videos and whatnot, um, I tr- try to rip through some stuff and it ends up taking kind of a long time. But there's a lot to cover. Let's just be completely honest about that. So with that said, I do not want to waste a lot of time chitting, and chatting and whatnot. So why don't we go ahead and uh, get started with some stuff? Anyways, I do want to kind of continue on some of the stuff that we didn't get to. We're going to skip a lot of the Brian Gutekunst. Talked a little bit about Jordan Love. Um, you know, he kind of was evasive in terms of a couple people tried to ask, what do you have to do to help Jordan Love? And he kind of just said, you know, it's going to be tough for him, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line, my, my takeaway is, one, he could be, maybe their plan is like, we're going to load up Jordan Love and try to make him look good, and then he just doesn't really want to talk about it because he doesn't want to talk about strategy publicly. I, however, think it's it's more or less, especially when he dives into, you know, there's going to be adversity. He's just going to have to suck it up and, and deal with it. You know, he's been here a long time. It's not verbatim what he said, but more or less. And I, I To me, that's Brian Gutekunst being Brian Gutekunst, which is to say, I have no intention of going into this draft being hamstrung with the idea that I need to get a wide receiver or I need to do this. I'm going to do what I do, and that is find stars and draft them regardless of their position. However, he did say this little nugget here.
3: But I do like, um, you know, there's certain positions I think that have really good depth and uh, that we haven't seen for a while. So I think that's good. And then they kind of line up with our needs a little bit.
1: Right. So I like that quote because the, the question was about. Uh, you know the depth of, of the uh, the draft and everything, and he's like, you know we got ten picks, I'm excited about some of the stuff that we can do, but we're seeing depth in this class and, and talent in this class in areas that we haven't really seen before that happen to line up with our needs I, 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 that, that could be a couple different things. He's listed a couple teams things, but the one that just pops out at me is tight end. Very talented tight end class, very deep tight end class, and clearly that lines up with our needs. So what else exactly he's talking about? I can't imagine it's safety, although it's entirely possible that safety is one of those positions that's not really top-heavy but is pretty deep. In other words, there's really not a lot of first-round talent, but the second-round talent goes clear into the third round or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what he meant. But um, it is exciting because, and, and especially as insistent as Brian Gutekunst has been about getting picks in this year, that could just be you know general thing for for GMs. They want to do that all the time anyways, but it just gives me the impression that they there's a lot of guys in this class that they know that they like that really fit some of our needs, and so that's obviously pretty beneficial, and he, he really wants to load up, which is a good sign for this draft class. Next part I wanted to highlight is this little clip here because I found it interesting because it it kind of doesn't line up with what people are saying or thinking even myself included, so I just wanted to highlight this real quick. Question about, obviously, Keyshawn Nixon, how important was it to get him back?
3: Yeah, no, that was really important. I mean, uh, you know, Key made such a big difference for our football team last year with what he he was able to do, not only as uh, in the nickel, but then as a return specialist and, and different things on teams. I mean, he's one of the better gunners in the National Football League. So. We're really excited about you know not only the return stuff, but um, you know I think he's going to see a lot more time in the nickel um, this year, and I think that uh, we're all really excited about that because we, he was in there, he was very impactful.
1: So a couple things, obviously, that the highlight which we've I think already mentioned is that they're they're planning on putting him a lot more in the nickel, which I thought maybe was just a temporary thing while Stokes is out, but it, he's saying we want to see him a lot. So they really like him as a slot, a lot, which is great because again, when I played that clip of myself talking about it saying you know I don't know about I know he's here for special teams but there's a chance this dude could actually be a pretty good slot and sure enough the Green Bay packers looked at him and, and agree and really wanted to spend more time there which again I'm very confused because that would put Razul on the outside and that would put Jair on the outside and where the heck does Stokes go so I don't know what the deal is with that um the the more important thing though that I wanted to highlight is he clearly said it was very very important for us to get Keyshawn Nixon back and people were freaking out because it sounded like Keyshawn was, I mean, he was not getting signed and uh, was allowed to kind of see what the market was. But I think the, the larger point, though, is just because you hear things about so-and-so hasn't been signed, there's nothing in place, they're talking to other teams, it has nothing to do with the lack of, you know, I, I would borderline say desperation for the team to get him back. The Packers never had any intention of letting him walk out the door. If anything, it's it's just a matter of go set the market. You go find out what your price is. And then you come back and tell me, you know, all right, I'm I'm shopping around and I've got offers right now for seven. Give me eight and I'll be back. Done deal. Right? I don't know, but I would assume that's relatively common practice unless the player just hates the team and says, I never want to come here again, which would be unlikely if Keyshawn Nixon's potential and talent was unleashed because we have the best special teams coach in the entire NFL coaching our, our team. Maybe that's not true, but I'm going to pretend it is. Uh, considering what a great impact he had for us going from like the worst special teams unit to one of the best, that's uh, pretty remarkable, especially for a Green Bay Packers team, which I cannot remember the last time we had a good special teams. But again, unless the the player just has no intention of coming back, I think it's common for a guy like Brian Gutekunst to talk to him and say, Look, "I'll tell you what: if you don't like the price we're offering you, why don't you go around? You go get some offers, and then please come back to me and tell me what the offer is, and and make you know make me an offer. You know, we'll 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 match it, whatever it is. But just you go find the best price you can. It's like the price match guarantee. So you know, again, it. You don't necessarily have to panic. It might mean that they're not going to bring him back, but I know there was a lot of fear. And like, if he lets him walk, he's a piece of garbage. And how could you be doing this? He should be signed. And again, sometimes these guys are going to walk. But it was cool to hear Brian Gutekunst basically say, unbelievably important, right? He had to come back, no question. So we were all on the same page. He was never going to let him walk. And honestly, I'm surprised the money that he got, but I'm I'm happy for him. Because, I mean, you know, again, like I said before, he's he's one of those guys that's quote-unquote just a special teamer, and he really just kind of broke out. I mean, as many guys that are in the NFL that are career special teamers, he is a heck of a success story, especially the fact that he's going to be playing some defense and maybe even some offense. You know, again, you want to talk about these little guys that get picked up by Brian Gutekunst that turn into freaking stars. I've never in my life seen anything quite like it. I mean, Bill Belichick always did a great job of finding the right pieces, but those pieces were never like... He go get a running back. He wasn't the best running back in football, but he was a great addition just to get everything to work the way it was. It was just a well-oiled machine. Gutekunst goes out and finds these guys, and it's like he finds Dre, and he's the number one uh, linebacker. Zedarius, number one pass rusher. Amos, top three safety. Razul, one of the top corners. I mean, the guy was never doing anything, and he becomes, you know, Devondre Campbell was not a good linebacker. He became a superstar. Same with Razul. He was never that good of a corner. He became a superstar. And then Keyshawn Nixon, who is a very poorly graded defender and a subpar special teamer, or at least average special teamer, comes over here and is not only a dominant special teamer, but becomes the number one kick returner in football. Like what the heck is this? I'm starting to think Gudekunst is, is maybe he's I mean I don't I don't get weird or anything, but does he know Giselle? Things aren't really working out with uh with Tom, maybe, you know, there's some kind of witchcraft going on here. It's freaking voodoo, man. These things don't just happen. How do you find a guy? And and I know it wasn't just Gutekunst. It was largely the uh, um, Rich Pasaccia saying, I want this list of guys, and Gut signed off on them. But how does that happen? I understand Billy Turner wasn't great, but even he came over and was as good, if not better, than he had been his entire career. I mean, that was the obvious one that we picked up, and you look at it and go, yeesh. Not so sure about that, boss. And Preston was, I mean, he he was as good as he'd always been with like two years mixed in where he was very, very good. Otherwise, he kind of went back to being decent, which is what he again was his entire career. I don't know, man. It's just it's just weird to me how that happens. Maybe other GMs have that too, and I've i just I'd missed it. I don't know, but it's pretty remarkable. Um question was asked about Mason Crosby, and he said, Yeah, we would never close the door, which is kind of similar to what was said about Aaron Rodgers. But and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I have said it uh, before. I was made aware of some information that he will not be back. I don't know if that's Mason wanting to leave. Maybe it's sort of you know if Rogers is leaving, I'm leaving kind of thing or so. I don't I don't really know why. It might have to do with the Packers just wanting to move on. It feels like they've been wanting to. You know, I mean, I, I know he said the door is open, but it could be one of those things where they're just really not willing to pay top of market for Mason anymore, which isn't even that much money. I mean, top money for a kicker isn't much, but it just feels like they really don't want to pay a ton for for Mason, and I think Mason has some opportunities elsewhere. Uh, My understanding is, I would say there's a good possibility that we're looking at him possibly going to the Titans. Titans did say goodbye to Randy Bullock, their kicker. He had been their kicker for a long time, and funny enough, they're actually saying the same thing about him, even though they cut him. Uh, There's an article here that says Titans not closing the door on Randy Bullock reunion. So it's the exact same situation with Bullock and the Titans where he's currently not there, but he could maybe come back. But um, again, I, I, if I had to guess, I would say Mason will be a Titan. The other team to keep an eye on is the Texans. Um, But it, it does seem as though he will not be back to the Packers. And even the way, Kudakus is talking about it, you know, saying things like, "Yeah, we would never close the door on a guy like Mason." Makes it sound like they're really not in an agreement, but there, there is, there's always a place if they can come to an agreement. But I, I just don't think they will, and I don't know if that's Mason just saying I don't want to be here anymore, or um, more than likely it, it's kind of a money thing. Which again, I, th- I think is kind of dumb. Um, you know, again, you're you're talking top money for a kicker is is bottom of the barrel for most other positions. It's a couple million bucks, for crying out loud. I mean, what is it, five? Six for Justin Tucker. And I doubt he would even get six. So, you know, you offer Mason. What was he getting before? Where's Mason on here? Maybe he's not on here because he's a free agent. What was he getting? Yeah, he was at 4.3. I don't know. You offer him four, would he say no? Are we not offering him four? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But I, I do think he's going to be gone. In fact, I think he's already gone, according to information he is no longer in the state of wisconsin he has moved to somewhere else but brian gutekun's words specifically at the end are we're limited financially but never say never which i have to assume would mean maybe one of two things one we offered him a pretty low contract maybe he'll decide to accept it unlikely but if he can't get anything anywhere else then you know maybe or you know possibly if this trade doesn't get done and it ends up being a post-June 1 thing, and we end up having more money, and Mason hasn't signed somewhere else yet, that could be a possibility. But as it stands right now, the Packers don't have a lot of money, did not offer him a very generous contract, and Mason said, you know what, that's insulting, F you. Which again, you don't offer him a contract, you're a bad person. If you offer him what you think he's worth, which is lower than he wants, you're a bad person, so you can't win. He was asked specifically about tight ends, day one, day two, are you getting one? And he just said, you never know, which is true. You never know. It depends how things are going to fall. But he did clarify that is one of the positions that's very deep. So I really think he's getting giddy about these tight ends, but it really just ultimately comes down to, is somebody of value going to fall to us? Possibly trade up, trade back, whatever. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But it's it's sort of one of those things where there's, if you picture it as landmines, they're everywhere. And it's going to be hard to not step on one somewhere. So there's a good chance... There's going to be a tight end that they really like that's going to be kind of high. But you never know. just depends how these things shake out if everyone else is snagging up the tight ends faster than the Packers are. The, the interesting thing, though, is with wide receiver, I've gotten the impression that other teams value wide receiver higher than the Packers, and I think that's part of the reason why the Packers don't get very many wide receivers. They don't want to put quite as much value. It's not a ton, but I, I just I think that's part of the issue. What about tight end, though? Not just in terms of how how much do they value them, but it, it's more of a question of how much do the Packers value tight end more so or less so than other teams? If it's about the same, then you know we we just have a regular old chance. But considering our need at tight end, and I think considering the scheme that that really craves tight end, I think you know again one of the few teams that really wants a Mercedes Lewis, but also uses H backs, also has those. You know we got our three different types of tight ends. I just think Matt Lafleur would prefer tight end. Maybe a little bit more, not than every team in the NFL, but than some teams. Plus, there's teams that already have their tight ends loaded up. You know, does Dallas want tight ends to the same degree that the Packers do? Maybe, but probably not. You would assume that maybe teams like, uh, you know, the Jets and the, the 49ers who run similar, you know, forty, you know, maybe in uh, Miami because they all come from that same tree. Maybe. But at the same time, the Jets like their tight end. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a really good chance that they end up snagging one. Again, just look at the big old smile on his face if you watch this video when they talk about it. He says, never know, but it's just he's grinning ear to ear with the tight ends. And we'll end this Brian Gutekunst press conference with this. The question is, is there any chance that Aaron Rodgers plays another snap in Green Bay?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, right now all options are, are on the table. It's not trending that way. You know, I think, And we're very hopeful that we can facilitate this and get this accomplished. Um, but you know he's come back under certain circumstances before, where he maybe wasn't the happiest with everything that's going on and played very well. So um, you know we'll just kind of see how all this transpires, and but, um, I think it's trending hopefully in, in the right direction for what everybody wants, and, and um, you know you know conclude this hopefully.
1: So once again, I mean it's it's not they're not hiding it. You know when Mark Murphy said that's not our preference, that's basically what Gutikans has said multiple times here. You know basically you know, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, he came back under circumstances where he was kind of whiny and complainy and didn't like it here. And he came back and he played at a high level. So who knows? Maybe that could happen again. But the the, the funny thing is about about that, number one, it's technically true. Number two, I think he's largely saying it from that leverage standpoint, which is, you know, you don't want to say, oh, no, we can't do that. That would be horrible. You know, you, you got to have the, the, the poise To be able to say, yeah, it's happened before, it could happen again, whatever, we'll figure it out, no big deal. Because you don't want him to see you sweat. I'm not worried, I don't care. If he comes back, whatever, we'll figure it out. Not a big deal, we're going to go win games, Jets can keep sucking, that's not my problem. We're not worried one way or the other. However, what does he say? Number one, essentially, we don't want him back. He said, let's do what we all want. So the Jets want him, Rodgers wants to go there, but he's also explicitly saying, we don't want him here. So if things aren't working out, if things, let's just say worst case scenario, don't work out, what is that planting in Aaron Rodgers' head? No way in the world am I going back to that team. Because Gutekunst just said, this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants him to go. You know, Rodgers wants it, which is great. The Jets want it. And we all collectively want him gone. So it's, it's sort of the perfect answer. It shows we're not worried. We don't care. And it puts it in Aaron Rodgers' head that we don't want you here. Which makes it very unlikely that he's going to act and actually end up coming back. The next question was, would it be an open competition? And he just kind of shrugged it off and was like, nah, you know, we'll hopefully get this done. Which, again, is saying the same thing. Rodgers, we don't want you back. And that's an important message. On the off chance that he says, you know what, this isn't working, maybe I'll just come back another year. By planting that in his head, there's a good chance he's, he's not going to come. He doesn't want to come back groveling to this team. He doesn't want to have that Brett Favre moment where he's like, you know what, never mind, man, I, I I think I want to come back. And the Packers are like, sorry, dude, we moved on. He doesn't want that shot to his ego. And that's not even like, an, I don't even mean that necessarily negatively. I wouldn't want that shot to my ego either. That sucks. And Rodgers is not going to put himself in that position. In fact, if, if this deal starts breaking down and he gets word of it, he's probably going to want to preemptively retire. Because he doesn't want to be in a position where, you know, he really wanted to play. He really wanted to be a Jet, and it couldn't get done. And now now he's a free agent that nobody wants. If he hears that this thing's about to break down from his agent or whatever, like it's just not getting done, I think he preemptively retires. The first thing we're going to hear is Aaron Rodgers retires from the NFL, and it's like, what? And then we're going to start hearing, yeah, the deal just couldn't work out or whatever. Rodgers always wants to be in a position of strength, just like everybody does. Packers do, the Jets do. Nobody wants to be the loser in this situation. Um, getting back to the Matt LaFleur interview, I'm not going to, you know, again, skip some of this stuff. But, you know, one of the questions was about the backup quarterback, and he talked a lot about potentially, he said you can go in a lot of different directions, but potentially you've got, you know, the veteran. And it's been said by a lot of people already, and I will just echo it. I think Matt Ryan, depending on the price, would be a phenomenal backup. He obviously showed last year that he he's really not the same Matt Ryan that we have seen in the past. But, you know, again... Matt Lafleur was his quarterback coach the year he won MVP. Matt Matt Ryan has played at the highest level. You know, when we won the Super Bowl, we went through Atlanta in Atlanta, and that was the toughest place to play. That that there was no team tougher than Atlanta in Atlanta. That offense was unstoppable. You know, at home, aside from the game against Green Bay, they had only lost one game uh, against the New Orleans Saints, their rival, and it was by three points, fourteen to seventeen. But um, yeah, just just an absolute freaking powerhouse of an offense, especially at home. And, uh, Green Bay went in there and just absolutely stomped them out 48, 21. But, you know, again, he's very familiar with Matt LaFleur, incredible rookie, understands everything there is to know about this. You know, I mean, the, the offensive, when Matt LaFleur was his quarterback coach, um, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. And that was, that was when the, that was when Atlanta was pretty much peak Atlanta, when Matt LaFleur was playing, or when, (laughs) Matt Ryan was playing in this Matt Lafleur, Shanahan offense, and I'm not necessarily talking about resurrecting his career, but just from having a guy that that has done it, who's been there, um, just a fantastic guy to to kind of coach up and help teach. Uh, you know, one of those guys where when things go wrong for Jordan, you go to the sideline and you've got a guy like Matt Ryan. I mean, th- there's not many people left in the NFL that would be better to coach up. And, and have there than Matt LaFleur or Matt, I cannot get that right Matt Ryan now I don't know what his price would be and for a backup that could be asking a lot but what did he get last year 12 million or something like that was it 18 I don't know weird there's like a 6 million dollar restructure thing or something in there I have no idea it says his cash was 12 million doesn't matter I don't know seems reasonable enough especially when you consider what we're paying Jordan Love now granted we still have a giant cap hit with rogers but uh yeah i i uh i don't know if matt ryan would have any interest in being a backup maybe he'd just rather retire but if, if there's any interest i mean that's just that's the move right there i do want to play this though uh because i you know again the, the thing with quay walker ended on a bad note and i don't know about you but for me personally i i as stupid as it sounds i borderline wrote the guy off right he didn't have a good year I constantly blame the scheme because I, I I don't know I I have no idea but I was I was annoyed by the fact that it, it was not an attacking defense it was a lot of standing around and I don't think that that helped him but leaving all that aside you add that and how the season ended with him you know getting ejected which you know I mean the second time he's put his hands on on you know people that are not even in the game and um, so anyways it, it just for me excuse me just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and it's kind of like one of those, like, nah, you know. I, I I, don't have the same aspirations for him like I do with Christian Watson where it's like, could he be top five? Could he be that? Quay could be that guy. We took Quay before Watson, so they obviously really like him. But anyways, he was asked about Quay and I just appreciated the answer.
2: I think Quay is, he's an exceptional athlete. I think, uh, just his, his, obviously his size, his speed, his strength. Um, He's a versatile player. So whether it's lining him up on the edge, which we did a little bit last year, um, I think he can cover in man coverage situations. He's just he's just got that ability. So I think there's a lot of room for for growth for him, quite frankly, and, and more responsibility. And a lot of that's just gonna come with, you know, him knowing the just all the little details to every call and how you're playing each play. And I think it's gonna be it's going to be a big off season in terms of how we go throughout OTAs and, and the practice time that we're probably going to be on the field a little bit longer than we have been in years past. Um, I know like our schedule we're going to be in the building a little bit longer we're going to use the entire four hours I would say in years past we've been three and a half to 345 so um, I just think there's there's a lot of things that we can do to just to help all our players quite frankly.
1: So the the thing specifically with Quay that and I'm I'm going to sound like a really stupid broken record here it really for everybody comes down to consistency. I mean if you think of, we've seen the big plays. We've seen those Quay plays that are just like dang man that is that is why we drafted him. Those are the things I saw in that highlight reel chasing people down and just smoking guys and and stuff like that. But the problem is, you see it maybe five percent of the time. What if the five becomes ten? What if the ten becomes twenty? You know, if if he's making plays like that, one in every five plays, twenty percent of his plays, he's he's an all star. But if you if it's only five percent, once every twenty plays or less, you know what I mean? It, it's it just comes down to how consistent can you be. Same with like Jair. He was the number one corner. Why? Because on every play, he was a lockdown corner. If every play goes to 75% of the plays, or goes to 50% of the plays, what are we talking about? Everything comes down to consistency. Everybody has that ability to be a superstar. But whether you're a superstar on 1% or 80%, makes a difference between, you know, hate to pick on the guy, but it's the first one that came to mind, makes a difference between Dean Lowry and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a freak all the time. That's why he's a freak. Because he's defined by that, because he does it so often. If you're a freak 0.3% of the time, like let's say Dean Lowry, who I like, but let's be honest, not really known for his highlights, then you're Dean Lowry. Let's get Quays 5% up to 10% or 15% or 20%. I also want to play this little snippet here from Matt LaFleur talking about uh, the young receivers. It's a little bit long, but I thought it was pretty insightful and pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, well, it was definitely uh, an experience. uh, There were some highs and lows with both of those guys, quite frankly, throughout the course of the season. I think, you know, once we hit that Dallas game after those two drops, Christian really took off and it was, it was awesome to see. Obviously you can see the explosive playmaker that he is and what he's capable of doing. And, um, but there's a lot, I'm just excited for, to, to, watch him grow as just his understanding in the offense. He is a guy that can handle a lot. I've been, I haven't been around too many rookies where you could move them, their position in game and he wouldn't even flinch. So he is exceptionally just intelligent, right? Knows the plan inside and out. But I think there's a, a, a level of detail that is going to get better with him. Uh, and, and we're gonna be quite frankly We're gonna ask him to run probably more routes than we did a year ago. Um, and then Rome, I thought Rome started off great. And then he got injured. And I, I don't know if he ever quite got back to what we had seen early in the year. But I expect to see that when he comes back. I think Rome is this guy. Uh, I think I mentioned it when he first got here. Just his routine, uh, how committed he is. I mean, he's one of the first guys in the building, one of the last to leave, and uh, I think he's got a unique skill set. He, he's he's got. I don't want to. I want to be I want to temper these uh, this comparison here but he's got some DeVonta Adams type movement skills. Now he's got to learn to when to use it and how to harness that and um, but he's got that twitch that you're looking for. So I think I don't think there's a route that he won't be able to run. We're just going to have to give him enough reps that um, where where he can continue his progression. I think, you know, one play that stuck out in my mind is I don't I don't know if you guys remember that throwback that he caught versus uh, the Dolphins. I mean, that was just an exceptional route. Just He's just so sudden and explosive in and out of his break. Um, a great hands catcher. And, yeah, I'm excited about both of those guys. Just, you know, a one-two combo. And hopefully we, we're going to have to add to that room, and some of these other guys are going to have to step up.
1: So I like that stuff because it kind of reinvigorates... Same with Quay. It reinvigorates my uh, optimism, I guess you could say, because... You know, that pessimistic side of me kind of forgets some of the stuff that happened. And Romeo Dobbs, like, you know, maybe it, it's kind of like what happened with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had a phenomenal rookie season. He was getting 5.5 yards per carry. And I said, look, that's cool, but he ain't doing that again. Like, 5.5 yards per carry is not a thing that running backs do career-wise. A lot of his plays look like he was just bouncing it to the outside in his rookie year. This is, this is a fluky thing. Well, next year it was more inside stuff and outside stuff. And guess what? It was 5.5 again. Um, I, I, you know, when he talks about Christian Watson, one of the things I, I love is, first of all, the thing that I liked about him to begin with before he even started was when I found out how intelligent he was. I know uh, Wonderlick is like a frowned upon thing, but scored extremely high in the Wonderlick. I think there was even a thing. Was not there something with Aaron Rodgers? Maybe that was somebody else where he was kind of like, you know, he didn't like that somebody might have a higher wonder look than he had or something. I think that was somebody else a while ago. But anyways, I was thinking about, you know, comes from a small school and all that, but with somebody that has that level of intelligence, it's possible that he could really absorb a lot of what he's supposed to do and, and have a, a an impactful rookie year. So to hear that he has that, and then that got him to where he was this year. But they're just scratching the surface with him, which seemed pretty obvious. And, and they're going to ask him to do more in year two i mean that that could only be a good thing and then he talked about romeo dobbs and he you know he talked about the play against miami which was a pretty good play i went back and found it um not not his greatest game there were a lot of drops in that game but uh the one play i mean he just fought to get free and everything was pretty cool but there were several i went back and watched just romeo dobbs highlights just go check it out there was one i think against the bears that i thought was there. there was a catch against the bears and there was a catch against i don't remember who it was the buccaneers maybe but his hands are incredible. I mean, that's one of the, my, my favorite things about him. His movement is is pretty pretty good and all that. But I mean, it, it it just looks so natural. He doesn't catch it in his body. He doesn't panic. That throw against the Bears it was actually behind the line of scrimmage, which not a lot of highlight reels of that. But the ball was kind of placed behind him or whatever, and his hands just just shot out and caught it like it was nothing. It was. I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but it's really really impressive. And yeah, he, again, he did have a couple drops in there, but but his hands, he's just such a smooth hands catcher. Uh, pretty good movement after the catch to get some some stuff, some physicality. But yeah, like, like they said, he's got some Devante-level stuff. They just got to kind of teach him how to use it and how to harness it. And again, you can kind of see it, although sometimes it looks a little clunky. But again, you tighten that up. I really think it's going to be a solid group, man. And I know I'm just being a pessimistic Packer fan. And anybody can go back and I can probably watch a Justin Fields highlight and be like, "Dang it, man! This guy's actually going to be good, isn't he?" But if, if you're if you find yourself slipping, just go watch because I, I I don't remember it. You know, in my mind, Devonte had like that one big game where he caught I don't know eight passes or something stupid, and then he just kind of didn't really do anything. Whatever, no big deal. Doesn't matter. But it's fun. So I uh, I will be doing that as well. I got to do Christian Watson and some of these other guys and get excited again but anyways as expected this is taking longer than i thought so we will continue ripping through as many of these videos as we can just try to get caught up try to get our bearings and figure out where we're at and we'll see how far we can get i really want to get into some of the other more national guys who are saying some nonsense and kind of tear into that but there's more gutta kunst and matt lafleur coming up we'll take a break we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks Brian, you've said
3: Jordan Love is ready, and that certainly encompasses his on the field tools and performance. What about all the other stuff that goes with being the man? Is he ready for that? Yeah. You know, I think he is. He's, pretty, he's preparing for that. I don't know if you're, if you're ever ready for it until you go through it and you, and you learn through that process. Um, but I know he's very aware of it. Uh, he's had obviously a, a first class seat watching Aaron go through it for the last three years. Um, so I think he's learned a lot from that. But all the challenges that he will face through the course of this year as a starter, uh, if that's what transpires, we'll be learning you know things for him. Um, but he's got a great outlook on it. He's very even keel. Um, and I think he's excited for that.
1: So again, it's becoming kind of a repetitive answer, but I, I think it's the best that you can get. And and that is essentially that he's checked all the boxes. He seems ready. He's got a good approach. He does everything the right way. He's learned everything that there is to learn. As far as the textbook is concerned, it's just a matter of putting it on the field. So the the, the good thing is based on the way that they answer, uh, again, I, I think there's it's pretty obvious when guys are trying to be evasive, when they don't really feel that level of confidence and You know, it's funny how anytime you ask Matt LaFleur or or Brian Gutekunst about Jordan Love, you can't even get the full question out of your mouth before the, you know, the answers in the affirmative come out. Yes, definitely. I think he's ready, you know. Next question about Jordan. Essentially, how's he handling the situation? I
3: think he understands what's in his control and what's out of his control, and the things that are in his control, like his work and, and preparation, and the things that he's doing. I think he's doing, you know, a top-notch job of it. And um, there's constant communication with us, which is which is good. And Zing. I think that, um, you know, no different than when Aaron went through this. There's there's so many situations that he was put in, and the way he's handled them, on, you know, each and every time, it shows a lot about his character.
1: So, and and again, that's another good aspect with Jordan. It just seems like he's really, he's working hard. He's doing everything he possibly can. And and again, bringing up, there's been constant comp- communication, which has been good. Doesn't necessarily have to be a dig at Rodgers, but it is a little bit funny. But no, it is good because, you know, you, there, there are restrictions on what you're able to do with your team. But I don't know that there's any restrictions in terms of, you know, if you have any questions or send me this or this or that or whatever. It's just a constant... Know, i'm trying to get better what do i do now what do i do next here's what i'm doing here's this here's that what do you need blah 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 you know and as matt and the staff go through some changes and things they want to work with jordan you know so it's just it's just good that it's it's the off season but it's still all ball you know it's not just hey i'm gonna go party so he talked about tight end again and again he just kind of brushed it off and was like yeah you know it's a good class but we're gonna get what we're gonna get uh but then after that Kind of a general question. What do you, you, got, you got 10 picks. What do you want to get out of it? Yeah,
3: I think the big thing from now into the draft is we you know the process doesn't ever stop. So it's just continue to get to know these players as best we can, particularly the players maybe we don't feel we know as good as others. And just to get to those three days in, in April where we make the best decisions possible for the Packers um, and really just bring really, really good football players and really good quality people into the organization.
1: So and, and I know this is relatively obvious, but it's funny to me how much we put into things like ras and 40 time and all that kind of stuff and we don't realize probably more important than any of those metrics is character and i know you could kind of brush it off like well why it had flags and you know what about quay and all this stuff but um you know there's a lot of different ways that you can have um what the packers are looking for as far as character Right. I mean, again, I think a lot of them, the guys coming from Georgia has to do with them coming from big programs and they know how to win and they know how to prepare and they know how to do all these kinds of things. It's not just niceness, but I think it is a good thing to understand. Like when you hear things about people uh, having really terrible interviews, I I can't remember if it was uh, Washington or not. It might have been. I know there have been a couple that I've heard where the interviews were just terrible. Can't remember off the top of my head who they were, though. But that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I just don't think that's going to work. You know, it's like when, when you do interviews at your job, I don't know if you've ever done this, but, you know, the, the person goes through interviews, you know, they, they'll they meet with the boss and then they'll meet with the bigger boss. And then the final interview, they come meet with the crew. And the whole point of it, you know, we ask questions or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But the point of it is, is this somebody I want to work with, personality-wise? Anyways, something to keep in mind is just try to find personality stuff. Sometimes there's really positive, sometimes it's really negative, and sometimes it's kind of neutral, which I would just take as somewhat of a positive. But don't forget to factor that in.
3: Of course, during free agency, you also lost Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed. How are you feeling about your defensive line right now? Yeah, tough to lose two veteran defensive linemen like Dino and, and uh, Jaron. But at the same time, you know I think Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton, I think two, two young players that have you know, really started to grow. Uh, showed some really good things last year. I think they're ready for more opportunities. And uh, I think we're excited about how they can
1: impact our football team this year. Another guy. I mean, Wyatt was my dude last year. He was one of my favorite prospects like in the entire draft. So I am a Wyatt truther, which is probably a bad thing because everybody I'm a truther for doesn't really pan out. Uh, although Deguara's hanging in there. I mean, who else was I a truther about? I can't remember. That might be it. Maybe it's Deguara and, uh, and Wyatt. But, but there's a difference there. Deguara was more after we drafted him, it made a lot of sense to me and I really started to like him. Wyatt was way before, and it's one of the only times the Packers have ever drafted a guy that I really liked. And um, that dude was as funny as one of those things where he'd play like five snaps, and there would be just that one play. He wouldn't grade out very well on PFF because you know he had four bad snaps and one good one. But that one good one is him body slamming an offensive lineman and getting to the quarterback or something crazy. So he's a fun guy. And again, it just comes down to consistency. You know, obviously he's going to have his big splash plays because he's a big freak. But uh, just try to limit some of the negative and and not get pushed around on the. You know, it's it's not all or nothing. It's not either I get to the quarterback or I don't care. And I think as far as, you know, guys that put in the work, there's some, I guess, speculation or rumors out there that maybe he's not quite that type. He's not exactly a Rashawn Gary in terms of uh, working real hard, getting in the book and, and, you know, putting in that kind of work. But hopefully he does because, you know, Rashawn Gary was one of those guys who had all the tools to be the best in, in, in the entire NFL. All he needed was to put in the work and he did. And he's a freak. Wyatt's that same thing. If he can really commit and really just put his nose down and really put in all the work, I think he can be a top five defensive tackle in the NFL because he has the tools. Again, my favorite story about Devontae Wyatt, he, they, they asked him, when did you realize you were really fast? And he said it was, we were, I think, training for the combine, and they put me with the linebackers because I was too fast. I mean, he, he is just an absolute freak. He's just got to put in the work. But I, I still believe in the guy, and I'm excited about him. Anyways, we'll flip over to uh, Matt LaFleur and his interview.
2: What makes Jordan ready right now? Well, he's had three years to sit behind and watch and learn from one of the best to ever do it. And so I think just in the small glimpses that we've seen of him in games, he's handled himself in terms of the poise and... um, going out there and playing with confidence, I thought he's done a nice job with that, and then we get to see him every day in in practice, and I think that here's a guy that's totally refined his mechanics and understanding of the game, and there's a lot that goes into that, and I think he's he's made uh, really good progress, particularly over the last year.
1: I want to play this too. It's funny because Matt LaFleur, you can just kind of tell in his tone, I mean, um, I think uh, Brian Gutekunst seems a little bit more optimistic and excited, but when you listen to Matt Lafleur in yesterday's press conference, as well as this one, or whatever day press conference it was, um, he never sounds excited about Wyatt. You know, there's, there's always those times and those situations and those guys. And they, I mean, they used to do this with Jordan Love, and they used to do this with, uh, I know, um, geez, who who is the other uh, Slayton? People would ask him about Slayton. The, the defensive line coach would be asked about Slayton, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah," you know. He's, they kind of brush it off. They they don't fully engage in oh yeah he's this he's that and and again it just kind of adds to my uh overall feeling that there isn't generally a lot of excitement at least right now um they know the talent that he has but i don't know it's 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 exciting because he's forced to answer in a positive way about wyatt but there's also just sort of a tone that says like yeah he's got a ways to go
3: comes to guys poised to make a second year jump
2: how about this for a prime candidate, Devontae Wyatt? Yeah, he's going to need to. Um, we're going to need that from him. I think he showed flashes. Uh, certainly, it's going to be a big year in terms of just the understanding of the game and being able to read keys, and it helps you play your position a, a lot better. I think Jerry Montgomery does a great job of preparing those guys up front um, to get the tips and tells of what an offense may be doing. And, it's just it's it, he's going to have to put a lot of time and effort and work in to make sure that he's he's up to the same standard as, as like a Kenny Clark.
1: Apologize for the music. Packers dot com needs to do a better job of not making the music louder than the speaker or just don't have the stupid music to begin with, maybe because it's annoying. How does that enliven my experience here? Anyways, I I don't think I played this for you, so we're going to end it here, since I went to the trouble of finding it and downloading it. I think I told you to just go listen to it, and I'm sure nobody did. Here were my comments about Keyshawn Nixon the day that we signed him. So again, I I understand that this is probably more to do with uh, bringing in a guy that um, was a Rich Passaccia special teamer. It's going to help Rich to not have to coach up a bunch of guys that know nothing about how to play in his defense don't know anything about what is expected don't know any of that stuff you bring a guy over that that has a good work ethic and um sets a good example can help other guys answer questions and all this kind of stuff it's nice to infuse a little bit of that even if he's not the best player in the world but still i'm holding out hope that this guy could potentially be a quality chandon sullivan replacement now i said more than that the, the part that i wanted in there but it was like a, I just can never get to the point so it I just had to cut it all out, but it was, it was basically a kind of a hear me out. Like, I know this is going to sound crazy because the thing is he didn't play slot. He played on the boundary and he played safety. Nickel was never any, there was no real history of him playing in the slot. But when I looked at it, there were, there were like two or three or four games where he played in the slot. And every time he did, he graded out really high. So he came over, he is a strictly a special teamer. And, and the whole point that I was making is this is going to sound stupid, but hear me out what if the guy could actually play? What if he can actually be sort of like what Chandon Sullivan was?
2: How big was re-signing Keyshawn Nixon for you guys? Certainly gives us a, a spark uh, in the return game, but I think, you know, day one, he's going to be our nickel. And so we're going to, um, you know, give him every opportunity to, to earn that position, just like we do every guy. But uh, day one, he will be our nickel. And Um, it's going to be up to him to make sure that he owns that position throughout the course of
1: the season. And that's why you tune in to the Packernet Podcast. All right, let's get off of this. That's enough of uh, the Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst interviews. It's the same questions, the same answers to those same questions, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure where exactly to go from here. There's a lot of videos, but a lot of people have been talking about this. So we'll just start with Mr. Colin Coward.
0: Fleur obviously is going to have a large crowd around him considering what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. So he talked about Jordan Love, uh, temper expectations. Nobody really has great expectations. All right, let's
1: stop there. So that's his first comment. All right, this whole thing is about how Matt LaFleur said we need to temper our expectations, right? The, The entire point of that is we've had. Hall of Fame caliber quarterback played for 30 years, and we need to understand that this is a guy who we've never seen play football before, getting his first start in the NFL. Okay? That was the whole comment. His first comment, Colin Coward's first comment, is, we have no expectations. Again, this is what I've been saying this entire time. For whatever reason, the media narrative is, this guy can't play football. And I don't know why. It wasn't that way with Tua wasn't that way really with anybody. The, the only maybe comparable person would be Jalen Hurts, who was a late second-round pick. Lamar had his detractors, but it was about 50-50. 50% didn't really like him. 50% said he's the next Michael Vick. Nobody has expectations for Jordan Love, aside from Packer fans who are being optimistic. There is just this foregone conclusion that he's bad. and And I don't want to beat a dead horse here, because I've said all this before. But explain why. This is a guy who people thought was potentially as good as Justin Herbert, but maybe needed a little bit of time to sit. Higher ceiling than Herbert, but needed some time to sit, and he did. He went to a perfect situation. It could not have been a better situation for Jordan Love to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three years, and now he's ready to take the helm in a draft class that pretty much didn't have any misses, remarkably, in the first two rounds. And he said it, and he's right. We don't have any expectations. They're not correct in their assessment of Jordan Love, but he is right in the assessment of everybody outside of Green Bay, and that is nobody thinks this guy can play football, which is, again, remarkable.
0: As good as he possibly can. doesn't exactly sound like they have Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, or Mahomes on their hands. Um, Two things I think the Packers are telling you with all these bites and all this sound and all the leaks and all the reports. He's not Mahomes. He's not Burrow. If he was, they wouldn't have signed Aaron to an extension. Okay, this is him trying to think, and he's not very good at it. He's drawing
1: all these kinds of conclusions, and I think this is part of why he is such a big program. He draws these big sweeping conclusions based on little bits of information to make it seem like he's really smart. I do things similarly once in a while, but I tell you that we're going to go down conspiracy theory land and try to fill in the blanks, but I don't really know. He doesn't do that. He just says, here's what we know. Number one, they would never say that if if they knew that he was Pat Mahomes. Well, yeah, if they knew, but nobody knows because they haven't seen him yet. But either way, listen, you know who said this recently? Aaron Rodgers said it about Christian Watson. That was not Aaron Rodgers telegraphing that Christian Watson was not good. He told us why he said it. He said it because he didn't want to put too much pressure on the shoulders of his young wide receivers. And that's exactly what our coach is doing for our quarterback. Let's just calm down here a little bit. Let's not put too much on Jordan. Because just like I said, Jordan comes in, throws one incomplete pass, and everybody's going to lose it. Oh, this guy's a bum. This guy's a loser. What throw is that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you really wanted him over Aaron Rodgers, didn't you? And then he says, if they really believed in Jordan, they wouldn't have given him the extension. Two things. Number one, they didn't give him the extension this year. Everybody acknowledges that he took a big jump in year three, and that has something to do with it. So the extension has nothing to do with Jordan Love in his current state. So that's stupid. Number two, giving an extension to the NFL MVP is not that weird. Talks about how they moved on from uh, Alex Smith when he was a pro bowler. Dude, Alex Smith has never been anything but mediocre. Ever. Pat Mahomes was a very promising prospect. Alex Smith was a mediocre football player. And they decided to go with the young quarterback that they traded up for. Duh. Jordan Love was a quarterback who was struggling, playing behind the NFL MVP. Big difference. Now let me ask you another question. If Alex Smith was the quarterback in 2022, and Jordan Love played like Jordan Love played in 2022, would we have moved on from Alex Smith? Yes. Why? Because we have a promising replacement behind a mediocre starter. The contract has nothing to do with this. At best, you can say that it showed that Jordan Love maybe wasn't looking like Pat Mahomes in year two. But that has nothing to do with part of the reason they're so optimistic this year after year three. So this is dumb. So then he goes on to say he's not going to be top five. How do you know? Because Matt LaFleur knows everything, and he knows exactly how good Jordan Love Because he has to. Because you're reading his mind and, and understanding that what he's telegraphing is that he's not top five, and it's impossible for, for uh, the head coach to be wrong. Do you understand how stupid this is? I know Jordan Love will not be top five because I'm reading way too much into the head coach's words and coming to the conclusion that he 100,000% knows that he'll never be top five and is trying to secretly telepathically tell us that through his words. This is stupid. Because even if that was what the coach was telling us, which is insane, that he would sit there and try to portray to us that Jordan Love is really not that good, what if he's wrong? Because
0: as they've all said, we got to see him play. We also know they would keep Aaron and deal with his drama if he was awful.
1: Nope. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't keep Aaron if Jordan Love was awful. They wouldn't. They need to get out of this. They need to get out of his contract. They can't afford to keep him another year. He's playing terribly. If we did not have Jordan Love, we would still need to move on. We just wouldn't have a quarterback, and we'd have to go get somebody else. We would 100,000% still be moving on. So you're wrong again.
0: If it was like Zach Wilson, uh, you know, or frankly, early Darnold, too many interceptions, it's not going to be that. So he's probably somewhere, I would guess, between the 13th best quarterback and the 23rd. Wow. He thats is—he got all that. The, he knows exactly between
1: the 13th and the 23rd because Matt LaFleur said, freaking calm down if you expect him to be MVP 2020 Aaron Rodgers in his first year as a quarterback just from that he's able to deduce deduce that he'll be somewhere between the 13th and 23rd best quarterback that is shockingly talented
0: that's daniel jones mac jones ryan Tannehill, and that tells me the packers are in the nine and eight eight and nine category wow and now he knows our record
1: not only does he know how good the quarterback is going to be but he knows exactly how much that's going to impact our team and and he must know a lot about how good our team is going to be because if our team is terrible and he's mediocre we're not getting to nine wins we're not getting to four wins with a sub you know if you, if you put daniel jones on a terrible roster we're not getting four wins put daniel jones on the bears well they would probably get four or five because it's better than justin fields but then again if it's a really dominant football team they'd probably with a mediocre quarter i mean Tannehill. With the Titans, they've gone to the playoffs before, right? Daniel Jones has been to the playoffs, so he 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 understands our team exactly and how this is all going to play out. And and if you put Tannehill on that former team, he knows this kind of. That's amazing the skill that he has to be able to isolate all these things so specifically.
0: Now, before you freak out, that's where they finished last year. Mm-hmm. If I had to predict. The NFC North, I did get three divisions perfect this year, it should be noted. Uh, If I had to predict the NFC North, and I think the NFC is harder to predict than the AFC, because in the AFC, you have much better quarterbacks, dominating, ascending star quarterbacks. I would pick it to be a very even-looking division. Nobody's great. There's no proven great head coach. LeFleur's won a lot of regular season games. I'd probably...
1: Apparently that doesn't count for anything. He's won a lot of regular season games. Okay. How many playoff games has the Lions head coach won? How many playoff games did the Vikings head coach win or the Bears head coach? Oh, is it is it all zeros across the board? Okay. So Matt LaFleur has won more playoff games than the other three teams combined? Is that what we're saying? Okay. Got it.
0: We have the Lions if they have another solid draft and they've been very good the last several years drafting... I like how hard they play. I like their offensive pieces. They solve their cornerback issue in free agency, their primary issue. I'd have them with good coordinator play 10-7. and seven. Minnesota will still be good. They can't possibly win every single close game and go 11-0 in those type of games. They pull back to 9-8. and eight. Green Bay in the same area. Jordan Love not quite as efficient perhaps as a Kirk Cousins. Maybe they get swept by the Vikings. That's the difference. They're 8-9. Bears, I think, have solved a lot of issues. if they can... I don't mind any of this, except the Bears part. And hit a couple of home runs on the defensive side with Matt Eberv, head coach. Justin Fields gets better. He should. More time. Another offseason.
1: He should, but why are you assuming he will? Jordan Love, we're just going to write off. Justin Fields, we've seen play like garbage, but we know he'll be good. That's amazing. Is Jordan Love going to magically get good, too, when he, when he doesn't play good? You know, like when he's like the 23rd best quarterback, are we just going to assume he must get better? Or does that not count for Jordan Love? It only accounts for Justin Fields because you like Justin Fields. Just wondering.
0: And better weapons. They'll be much more dynamic offensively. That's indisputable. Why would that be indisputable?
1: How are they going to be more dynamic when they just lost David Montgomery? What, because they added one wide receiver? They didn't do anything. They didn't fix their offensive line, they lost a running back, they did nothing to tight end, they added one wide receiver, which by the way, they added about seven last year, which did nothing. So what exactly did they do, offensively or defensively, that's impressive to you, aside from one pretty good wide receiver? That brings them all the way up to eight and nine. I'm just wondering, indisputable that their offense will be more dynamic. I think it's disputable. I think it's at least something
0: that I'm allowed to discuss if I wanted to. I don't know. Maybe not. And if they could get Paris Johnson like McIntyre's mock draft, they will have solved their tackle issue. I think they're kind of in an eight and nine space. Green Bay's... It- solved their tackle issue? Which, what, which one? Which tackle?
1: How about the guards? I know they picked up a guard. I don't think he's very good. What about the center? Their entire offensive line needs a revamp. How about defensive tackle? How about edge rusher? How about corner? Any of that matter? No? Okay. Issue is... How about number two wide receiver, by the way, since the Packers had Devontae and that was never good enough and they wasted his prime. Do they have three elite wide receivers? Do they have one elite wide receiver? They have one good receiver. Maybe. We'll see how he does. Every other good receiver goes to garbage when they go to Chicago. Uh, Darnell Mooney was supposed to be an elite wide receiver. He was terrible last year. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. But do, do they have one really good wide receiver? Much less two. Certainly don't have two, do they? I'm just asking. I, I it's just it's it's so annoying to me that the Bears is like oh they're going to get better. They were bad last year, so they have to be good this year. Jordan Love trash. Why? Well, you, I don't know. Why? Well, you, you didn't because you didn't beat out the MVP. How about this? The first year Jordan Aaron Rodgers wasn't the MVP. They gave the job away to somebody else. How
0: about that? Is that good enough for you or no? dummy detroit and chicago detroit is good and chicago should be considerably better what give me one reason what is what? he didn't say anything
1: he, they fixed their they, they, if, if they draft a tackle they will have fixed their tackle issue you act like all they're missing is a tackle what tackle issue they haven't they have a they have a team issue they don't have a football team They don't have an offensive line, wide receivers, running back, defensive tackles, edge rushers, corners, but they just magically get better if they draft somebody. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we not have draft picks? I thought we had a turn. Do we get a turn? Jaguad.
0: So that's where I land today. Uh, Remember, Aaron was six and 10 in his first year. And so Lafleur's first bite is accurate. You sort of, there's a difference coming into games and being the guy. Green Bay's roster is good. It's a very-
1: Hold on. So after going through this whole diatribe about how he knows that Jordan Love isn't going to be good because Matt LaFleur said to temper expectations, he decides to then say, now, to be fair, Aaron wasn't good in his first year, so Matt LaFleur was right to say temper expectations, then what the frick are you talking about? What was this whole thing about that you know he's not going to be a good quarterback? He'll somewhere he'll he he he's not Pat Mahomes, we know that. He he'll be somewhere between thirteen and twenty three. And then at the very end, you basically discredit every single thing that you said by saying that oh yeah, you should temper expectations probably because it's his first year, you know. You gotta you gotta kinda give him some time. Okay, good. Then this entire segment was stupid and you're an idiot. Is that is that about right? My goodness.
0: Very good roster. They need pressure on the quarterback. They were 27th in sacks. They got to get. Yeah, Rashawn Gary. Okay. Better on the edge defensively, and they need to be more productive at wide receiver and tight end. So True. I think this morning um, that's kind of where I land on the Packers. Hi, everybody. Thanks.
1: Hi. Hi, <laughs> everybody. Oh. It's just paint. Like, again, I understand. Like, again, you're covering 32 teams, some stuff can slip past you. But when you just start making up stuff that you have to know doesn't make any sense and then discredit your entire speech at the very end, you're dumb. And if you say, like, well, they were 27th in pressure, they got to go. get," But, yeah, you're looking up stats and where they were bad and, and all that stuff. You're not thinking, oh, they lost Rashawn Gary basically for the entire season. Oops-a-daisy, it slipped your mind, right? I did it when I was doing my draft stuff. There's always that, what, like, I'm doing all this research, and, and then I missed somebody was put on IR. That's why I didn't see him on the roster and all that stuff. So then it's like, oh, shoot, i got to pay more attention to that now. That stuff happens. I mean, you would expect at Colin Coward's level he'd be a little better at that, but, you know. And plus, doesn't he do more than just football? People that do multiple sports, I'm impressed by them, but at the same time, don't ever listen to them. There's way too much. You can't cover all that. Anyways, lots more of that to come uh, in the future, coming days, whatever. Uh, But I'm going to leave it at that for today. You guys have yourselves a fantastic rest of your afternoon. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.